Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. There you go. Mike Pompeo, which is apparently a derivative uh, of Pompous. Ooh, opening with the burn here. <laughs> Mike Murphy, Robert hey, Gibbs. Here we are nine days later, still messing around with this election, at least in the minds of the president and uh, a bunch of his uh, supporters. Is it over yet? It's, it's over, man. It is over. It is over. I, I'll tell you, I've hit a wall. I'm, uh, I'm, I, I've hit Trump outrage fatigue. You know, it's been four years of this stuff, and it's just it's just exhausting. And every day there's a new stupid thing. Now, I don't know if Pompeo was joking, you know, and he wants a new job at the he Chuckle Hut. He tried to clean it up after, Because he's going to be of. gone later. But it was, you know, it's, it, the whole thing is petty and jerky and stupid and tiresome, and I can hardly wait for it to be over. So just for the record, uh, as we sit here uh, at this moment, uh, Biden is ahead by more than 5 million votes. Uh, Arizona has now come officially into the fold. Georgia will have a hand recount, but it the lead has widened to the point where uh, it's kind of an empty exercise. Um, Joe Biden will have won 306 electoral votes. And yet the president tweeted out last night, we will win. It is not important, but for these reasons. His GSA refuses to trigger the uh, transition process, so Biden isn't getting the resources or the information that uh, an incoming president normally would get. That's not good, especially in the middle of a uh, raging pandemic. Uh, And secondly, a bunch of your Republican brethren, Murphy, believe him. There was a poll yesterday that said 70% of Republicans didn't think this was a free and fair election. Yeah. Uh, 78 or something thought that mail-in voting led to widespread fraud. There's absolutely no evidence of that. I know, but, you know, they voted for him. So clearly they have an appetite for clownish idiots. And that's the official clownish idiot story now. And the Pauls, though, there you know, a few are falling off now. You got your Grassleys and Lankfords, uh, Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio today. I mean, it, it, it's starting. The carcass is rotting. Uh, one, one senator quoted another one told me uh, when I was bitching about all this stuff, because I'm outraged by it. I'm just exhausted by outrage. It has no effect on Trump. I'm watching the big clock, and I'm happy about that. But I, I said to the senator, God, this is so awful. And the senator said, well, to quote one of my colleagues, uh, how, how do you get a furious dying elephant into the coffin? Slowly. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's kind of that's kind of where their minds are, which is like he's dying. We can go fight him now and get stabbed and have primary voter trouble or we wait him out. Now, I thought a good sign was there's a uh, Ashley Parker and Phil Rucker and Josh Dowsey story in the Post today that I tweeted because I thought it was kind of dead on. Where Trump's spending the last 24 hours plotting his new TV network to bring down Fox. And he's been yeah. tweeting that, too. So I think that's going to move on to the new toy here uh, as he starts to contemplate a reality that deep down he knows he, he's done. I'm loath to quote them, but I am going to. Uh, uh, polls. You know, Reuters poll said only 3% of Americans think Trump won this race. Uh, in their heart of hearts, they, they wish it wasn't so, but I, I believe most of them know it. 
Although that you you did see that that was plus or minus a hundred and six. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the the health of polling these days. Is, we'll talk about that later. Yes. But yeah. Um. I I also think. I think if you want to know if Donald Trump is uh, thinks he's winning, all you have to do is look at his schedule. So he's made in the last week two golf trips where uh, the 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 press is pinned off from him, and uh, a ten minute visit to the Tomb of the Arlington, Unknown Soldier yeah. in Arlington. I can assure you of only one thing: if Donald Trump knew he was winning, we would all see it, feel it, hear it in on our TVs, in every form of communication, not just Twitter from the residents, but big rallies spiking the football. That those aren't happening is is sort of all you need to know. And I would say one other thing, David, on your, your thing about the GSA, I think the PDB, the Presidential Daily Briefing, is important for uh, the president-elect to begin to receive. I think what's maybe even more so than the resources of that the GSA, go, what goes with it is, the FBI background checks that are needed to nominate people for a cabinet. So th- there is a th- this slowdown will hurt <laughs> will hurt government. Yeah. Well, Trump never thought those were very important anyway. Well, so maybe, he didn't maybe, think they, they were. maybe he doesn't understand that there are steps. <laughs> and I'm only 50-50 as a conservative. Yes, I I want government. I want grown-ups, and it will happen. You know, it's just th- this is historically important because we're having the first hostile transition ever, which is a real sign of weakness of our country, our political culture. And he's the spark plug for all that. So it's just uh, I actually uh, I actually think there's I, I think I don't I'm going to say this. I don't I, this is not reporting. This is pure conjecture. I, I think there's been back channeling. I, I think the Senate Republicans led by Mitch McConnell, who maybe a lot of things to a lot of people. He is not a dumb person. He, 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 he knows Donald Trump is not going to win this election. And I think there's been back channeling between some Republicans and the, and the incoming Biden team, which is keep this temperature simmered low, right? Keep everything sort of keep the temperatures low so that we don't have this on the streets of our country. Cause that will make it just a lot harder as we get to this. We're getting to this portion now where States are beginning to certify their votes. And once the states certify their votes over the course of the next seven to 10 days, the avenues for anything other than what we all know is obvious, it, those avenues are going to dry up. They'll let's, be listen to, let's listen to uh, what McConnell had to say, because it, I think you can interpret it two ways. What it says about America is that until the Electoral College votes, Anyone who's running for office can exhaust concerns about counting in any court of appropriate jurisdiction. That's not unusual. It should not be alarming. At some point here, we'll find out finally who was certified in each of these states, and the Electoral College will determine the winner. And that person will be sworn in on January 20th. So this goes to your point, Robert. I mean, you know, that enraged some Democrats because he didn't uh, acknowledge what is patently clear, which, which is that Biden, who who is beating Trump more uh, soundly than Trump beat Hillary Clinton in the popular vote and has the same number of electoral votes and is winning in most of those states by a wider margin, battleground states. Uh, is going to be president, but it, it, this, this is this goes to both your points. This this may be the elephant getting into the 
ushering the elephant into the coffin. Uh, and it seems like Biden may be in on the game, as you suggest, uh, uh, Gibbs. Let, let's let's listen to uh, this very brief exchange he had. And it's too bad we're a podcast and not a TV show because his the expression on his face said a lot as well. How do you expect to work with Republicans if they won't even acknowledge you as president-elect? They will. They will. Thank you all so very much. Yeah, I think a lot of them already have. I have no doubt the back-channel conversations are totally that elephant story, which is, look, we're dealing with a toddler here. He's going to honk and squeal. But, uh, you know, it's like the old Looney Tunes cartoon. There's one of those saws on his feet going in a circle while he's <laughs> ranting about Fox. And he'll, he'll be through the floorboard soon enough. We got a nice body bag for him. And I think Biden's enough of an old pro Paul. They know that the, the cable bonfires need something to go berserk over for a week or two. But the, the, the big grind is underway. It's a crappy way to run a country. I mean, what McConnell said was true. The problem is it accepted subtly the premise, even not so subtly, that Trump's selling, which is total BS. So shame on Mitch. But I think I understand it's all part of Operation Elephant Coffin. So the question, the question is whether this is going to turn out to be uh, like Looney Tunes or Friday the 13th. Uh, once this uh, we get past this chapter, because, you know, you mentioned that Trump is talking about setting up his own digital site. He's also talked about um, setting up a, a, a super PAC, uh, a leadership pack, And he's talking about and, you know, I think there's some speculation that he'll uh, immediately open up the possibility of running again in 2024. The guy got 72, 73 million votes. That's a lot of votes. He's got a lot of followers uh, out there, and uh, you know, he he can open up the resistance and lead the resistance from wherever he's at. And these Republicans, Murphy, I know you have faith. Uh, I have strained faith, but these Republicans are going to be under tremendous pressure from Trump. Yeah, I hear he's opening a university too. I may, I may go get my degree. <laughs> in there, done that. I don't think that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Again. Well, he's got some new courses <laughs> called "I Hate Fox" and "I Have Enemies That Are Wrong" and "I Am Great 101. And a vineyard. Look, I the Never Trump world is is grumpy right now because. Oh, thanks for the warning. Yeah, yeah. So get ready. <laughs> Head to your bunkers, comrade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because we wanted a cleaner election down the ticket, but your damn socialist screwed it all up. We wanted more wreckage because then it's easier to expunge Trumpism. Now you're going to have a lot of R saying, look, it's almost the best of both worlds. We're in opposition where, you know, in, in the House uh, where we're happiest. We still hold the Senate pending Georgia, which could change that, but it's uphill. And we got rid of crazy Trump. And the truth is down ballot, we, we, we gained. So, yep. A, a Trumpism without the Trump edges, kind of 2.0 that may not have Trump involved, but wait and see, or hide and see, uh, could be just fine for us. So it's going to be harder to clean this thing out. I, I don't deny that at all. Personally, Murphy, I, I blame your predictions in Florida and Ohio. But um, <laughs> Yeah, okay, look, North Carolina. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think the one thing to take away from both of those pieces of sound and, and what you said, David, are a person preparing for a second term is not worried about a leadership pack, a Trump TV network, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, or so running in say, 2024, say yeah. right? These are all like, I've got a great job, but in the event that I don't have that, here are the three other things I should be doing. And and, and I may be wrong as, as I listen to that McConnell quote. I think it is interesting that he uses the word certified. Uh, 
uh, talking about the winner, but not doesn't at least as I re- remember it doesn't suggest that somebody that there hasn't been a winner to the campaign. It's just that they haven't been certified. Again, to Murphy's point, I think it's the circuitous route to getting uh, to dealing with someone who's certifiable. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, not that untrue, too. but. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> to easing this thing out uh, in, in a way that works for the incoming administration and and for all those involved except the person that uh, still doesn't appear to have gotten the telegram. Before we leave this, this, this dynamic with Trump and Fox is really interesting to me. Um, you know, Fox, I mean, it's very clear that Murdoch has made a decision. New York Post uh, was unambiguous, and early on in this process of uh, – calling Biden the winner. Uh, the coverage has turned. They turned away from Kaylee McEnany the other day when mm-hmm. she started making ridiculous claims of fraud that were unsupportable. Um, they've made a decision that this is over and they're moving on. Uh, I've been laughing about the movie version where you see the silver hair and the cufflinked hand pick up the phone, you know, flush him. <laughs> and then, then the whole empire starts to turn and Rupert hangs up, you know, get me a new idiot. It may have been just that easy. It may have been yeah. just that simple. Actually. Another reason I wish we were a TV show. Yeah. I'll talk to ONN. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think about uh, what are Trump's prospects of actually developing a competing power center among the populist right? Well, I'll make another Ohio-style prediction that you guys okay. accuse me about. Right, good. This is good. This is a, a buckle up, listener alert. Discount whatever you hear from this point forward. <laughs> this is why I take notes during these. We things, needed boys. a jaws of life to get Axe into a prediction. I'm just going to wildly, <laughs> wildly now you do know one why. here. Yeah, exactly. No, I get it. I, I think he will because uh, there'll be a market for it. He's got a big database. He'll find capital for it. I feel sorry for them already. They're going to get fleeced, but. I don't know what the longevity of it is. Where I'd like to see two years in. He's a backward story. He'll still have a big voice. He, he has to have it. He craves it. But he can he can definitely set it up. It's not hard. Glenn Beck did it for a while. All he needs is a studio, a bloviator. Uh, and with streaming, you know, it's pretty easy to get distribution. Just people have to choose to subscribe for three bucks. And he's got that database. So it'll start. I'm just not sure it'll really finish. Well, I was going to say, I think the most valuable piece uh, of property right now on the Republican side is that list. Uh, and, uh, you know, texting and emailing that group that uh, for four ninety nine they can have a, uh, a monthly subscription to Trump TV, uh, I think is is the Glenn, Glenn Beck of 2009 on a massive amount of steroids. I, I think he is I, I think the idea that he is going away in any way, shape or form is is simply not going to happen. And look, I, I think his his angst at Fox, and, and look, I think the three of us can probably attest to this. By about the time that Fox called Arizona, I I, I was trying to coach Democrats right, off the, the third floor. Uh, people were ready to jump. And uh, when Fox called Arizona, that gave real new life, I think, to, to Democrats. Again, it didn't change the trajectory of this thing. But it, it changed the narrative and the psychology of it, it in was a, a flip. huge, huge way. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. You know, Gibbs, every once in a while uh, on Twitter, people will write in and say, Axe, you make me nauseous. But nausea is nothing to joke about. 
it's like getting stuck in the back of a car and you're kind of a little bit hemmed in and you just, you get that feeling and it starts in your stomach. It's not. Yeah. A good and, and, and like you're on your way to something good, a, a celebration or party or something. And now you're nauseous and you can't get rid of it, except there is an answer now and it's called relief band. Tell us about relief band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural relief with zero side effects, zero for as long as needed. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to all of us. Here's how it works with Relief Band. It stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you're sick. Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. If you know somebody who deals with nausea, Relief Band makes a great gift. I'm telling you, Relief Band works. We know from our own experience, we sent one to our engineer who often gets nauseous during our shows, and he reports 100% cure. Don't fall for those cheap bands you see in drugstores or on your Instagram feed. All right. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for our Hacks listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code HACKS, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D, com and use our promo code HACKS for 20% off plus free shipping. Now, speaking of Dems jumping off the bridge, my favorite topic, let's do a quick debunking report. Hey, I'll, I'll give you the text. I've gotten a thousand of them. I'll bet you do. Hey, Mike, call me down. What's going on at the Pentagon? You know, cut to seven days in May. Good movie um, where Trump's clearly yeah. going to order 101st Airborne to, you know, arrest Joe Biden. And he's slipping his people into the Pentagon, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do we think that's just he, he hated Esper and wanted to fire anybody Esper ever had lunch with? Or there's a conspiracy to have a coup and take over the world? Well, this thing is rooted in two things. It's not just the uh, it's not just that he fired these people it's the people that he put in Drags. after you know the crazy general who couldn't get confirmed by the senate uh you know uh devin nunez's uh you know uh e you know uh, evil strategist uh in a high level uh <laughs> <Pentagon> jacket yeah <laughs> position yeah you know i mean it's just yeah. um clowns the people he put in there are people that you would not want in control of the nation's military. And, you, you know, my yeah, I wouldn't give him a 7-Eleven. I, I would love yeah. to be a fly on the wall in the Joint Chiefs room right now yeah. uh, as they kind of scope this thing out because it's fine as long as they don't give any orders, you know. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, those those Joint I, I was a civilian consultant uh, when Bill Cohen was uh, defense secretary, so I got to hang around with a lot of generals. After two stars, they're politicians. 
And I'm sure they're all joking, which is like they get the coup orders. Like, Mr. President, we're behind you. Why don't you come on over here to the war room or watch the coup? And they lock them in a janitor's closet till the 20th. They are a <laughs> shrewd, tough bunch of patriots who wear yeah, the uniform. True. And, uh, I have zero worry about this, although we do have clowns now. So if something happens in the world, they're going to run down the hall and ask the guy playing with the paperweight on his desk in the MAGA hat what to do. That scares me a little. The other, uh, the other piece of this is that um, the Pentagon has a significant role to play in the distribution of these, of this vaccine, and mm-hmm. you know you, the people who were sort of ov- overseeing it, at least at the twenty thousand foot level, are gone, and you've got this new group in, uh, and this is not as the virus rages out of control. This is not the time for any hiccups in that uh, procedure. So. That, that's the other concern about it. But, yeah, I mean, I think, look, there is not um, among a lot of people, not just Democrats, there, there is concern because Trump has been so, um, so reckless about sundering every element of, uh, you know, Democratic institutions. He does not care about them. And so, you know, there is that concern. And he does have waiting on the other side of this. You know, we talked about his new media empire. He's going to have an awful lot of legal entanglements to deal with. Six different cases open against him, civil and criminal, uh, that have nothing to do with the Justice Department uh, and, uh, you know, just local stuff having to do with his business. He's got problems. A few hundred million dollars of debt. 420 yeah, to, to something million dollars in debt, which may quick. make it harder, Murphy, to get the capital that you're talking about. Yeah, but, you know, the Trump family crest, if you look closely, is sucker born every minute. But, yeah, no, look, I, I have no doubt he'll start it. Again, I did, I'm not sure he'll finish it with all his problems. I don't know about his longevity. That, I didn't mean to go back there, but my point is questions. there is a desperation here, uh-huh. I'm sure, as he looks over the ledge and sees what's awaiting him. Uh, and part of the reason I think, you know, it is good for his media enterprise to uh, and his whatever political ideas he has in the future to leave uh, by uh, creating a cloud of suspicion about the election and a yep. sense of aggrievement that he'd been cheated out of the election. It, it is, um, you know, I think he is he's creating that for those purposes. I also think he wants, if he gets indicted, he wants to depict it as a political indictment. Right, to uh, silence his thoughtful voice. I want to get to Gibbs's point quickly, and then we can move on to the uh, down-ballot Democratic challenges. Uh, you know what this sick irony, this was Trump nightmare 287 I had the other night. There was a good piece about the intelligence community is so worried. He already spills secrets and every time the Russians come by in the Oval, hey, look at this, it's our new ray gun. <laughs> you know, um, I heard this from Putin's limo. Can you believe the doorknob's a microphone? Oh, oh, You know, he's such a moron, he puts people in danger. So the intel guys were all worried <laughs> that when he leaves, he'll be, you know, opening a Trump condo complex and we'll davia sucking up to miss ukraine and will be spilling secrets and they're worried credibly that a foreign intelligence service or foreign interest will come to them and say hey you're going bankrupt why don't we buy out all your debt and discover uh a, a lot of intel that only a president knows now luckily he never read the briefing book and he's an idiot maybe we should take some refuge now in him not getting the presidential daily briefing uh, on a, on a <laughs> yeah. daily basis maybe that's a good thing hope he didn't take the pictures with him Imagine this. If you're if you're DNI, you're thinking, Christ, do we have to buy him out from under his debt quietly so the Russians and the Chinese don't? 
if, if it's a race between governments. Conspiracy <laughs> Theories is a new podcast by Mike Murphy. Debuting yeah, no, exactly. Ne- I hate to be the voice of reason. I, I know it's Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know ahead. it's massively unsettling. I, I think the Esper thing is actually was somewhat predictable, even to the point, Axe, I don't know if anybody ever did this when you were a reporter. He actually did an interview that was embargoed until yeah. he was fired. Yeah, he I he mean, it's like how suicide many, note. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine getting the, the, the your press person calls it? Would you like to come interview the secretary? Uh, the interview is embargoed until he's fired by the current president. And, and we'd and like you, you over here in an hour go on the Internet. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I mean, these things were forecast. This was yes. forecast, publicly forecast. There were others that were forecast, including, um, you know, Chris Ray and uh, and Gina Haspel over at the CIA. I don't know uh, if I'm the president that those are the enemies I want to pick. Yeah, it didn't work for Nixon. Don't make enemies with somebody who has the capability to listen to a phone call. Right. Uh, th- that's never a, a good sign. But I would say this, again, another interesting move by McConnell. The CIA director comes up to the Hill to do a briefing, and uh, he has her come into his office to do a meeting. Uh, not surprisingly, the press stakes out the front of his office uh, and sees her come in as a message to to Trump. So, again, there's. I think this is a... This is a hostage negotiation, and yeah. uh, it is uh, the you know the each day the the hostage probably wants a little less, uh, and each day the negotiator gets a little closer to freeing the victim, uh, meaning the country. Um, and I think by the time the week is is out, I think we'll be pretty close to that moment. So Murphy, you mentioned uh, you mentioned what happened down ballot. I think it's fair to say Democrats were. Uh, elated that Trump was defeated and uh, bewildered as to how, at the same time, Mm -hmm. Democrats didn't take over the Senate, which would be customary when a president is elected. Democrats lost maybe 10 seats in the House. You know, we're still adjudicating those races. Right. Um, They were expected to gain 10 seats. Democrats expected to take legislative chambers around the country there were six they had their eyes on that they thought they could tip. They didn't win any of them. And in fact, Republicans picked up three more legislative chambers. It was it was a bad election for Democrats uh, yep. below the level of Trump. The old Whitman sampler, you know, when you get the candy box from somebody and you open it up. Mm, and what a great thing. And you grab the chocolate thing and bite, and it's the disgusting one with the blue crap inside when what you really want is caramel, you know. So This is why people tune a, in, because they know we are people of experience. That's right. And we speak from that experience. Bad, 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 bad. And it, it, it's hard because I think the uh, Abby, I'm going to slaughter her last name, Spackleberger, is Spang, you know, the, the congresswoman. Abigail CIA. Yeah, 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 good patriot. From- uh, you know, she had a tough race, one. And there was a, a conference call we've all read about where the progressives and the more centered Dems went at it. And I think it's hard inside the Democratic caucus to argue against this AOC stuff. But the truth is, uh, Spangberger and her crowd are right. It's poison. It's candy for the Republicans. We just proved it. Well, let me play you guys something rel- uh, relative to this. I sat down with Andrew Cuomo uh, yesterday for the Axe Files and... Uh, we, we were talking about this aspect of the election, and here's what he had to say. 
we should have done better. We just should have done better. And part of it was our own internal machinations. Law and order, being supportive of public safety, being supportive of the police. We had mixed messages on that. And I think that hurt us. There is a fear that the Democratic Party is going too far, and that's alienating certain voters. We didn't address that well either. I think that has to be addressed, and we have to be honest about that. I think long-term, ultimate vindication will come if the Democrats and President Biden can make the government work and actually accomplish real progress. At the end of the day, as complicated as we make it, it's very simple. We have to make a difference. And that's my argument with Democrats. Focus on what you can get done and do it. So he kind of plunged right into that argument on the Spanberger side uh, of the equation, you know, progressives would push back. Obviously, there are real issues about what happened uh, with George Floyd and systemic racism and how to deal with that and so on. Uh, but Trump branded the Democratic Party in this election, and there's no question about it. You know, he it's socialism, defund police, you know, none of which applied to Biden. But some of the, some of the, the the. Uh, some of that stuck to folks down ballot, didn't it? Undoubtedly. And, and I, I think um, when we look back at this election, we'll lament not, not winning the U.S. Senate. We'll, we'll lament um, not picking up seats and instead losing them in the U.S. House. The, the real, real killer may be looking at some of these state houses that Democrats hope to make progress in, a Texas and North Carolina uh, you know, a Florida, a Georgia, the places that Michigan. are expanding yeah. in Michigan, the, the places the, yeah. that are expanding and because oh, I of see what you're saying. Yeah. reapportionment yeah. will be adding members of Congress. We're going to be, Democrats are going to be locked out of what would naturally be the growth in their congressional representation because in a bunch of these states that are uh, that they control the state house of or the whole process, it's going to genuinely limit Democrats' ability uh, in the reapportionment and in the redistricting phase. And and totally. that's going to be a genuine, yeah. genuine killer. Well, I have a simple but elegant plan for the Democrats to overcome this whole socialist attack. You know, just because you, uh, you were a never-Trumper doesn't give you any <laughs> credibility with that crowd. But oh, no, no. I paid the price to hang with you bastards. Now I'm going <laughs> to, uh, until you all throw me out, just like the Republicans. Uh, no, the way to get over the socialist problem, if you're the Democrats, is don't run so many socialists. You know, because it only takes a couple to define everything. And it, um, it, it, it is trouble. This is a branding issue. The notion of socialism... Uh, as the as the the philosophy of the Democratic Party, it, it's just bullshit. I mean, the fact is, you, you know, uh, uh, universal health coverage isn't socialism. It's 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 common to every industrialized country uh, in the world. The idea of uh, you know affordable education and so on, not socialism. Uh, it's not uh, you know it's not owning the means of production. It's not you know, government owning the means of production and so on. Socialism is a it it is a word that that the le that the right has appended and that Trump appended on Democrats. And by calling themselves democratic socialists, uh, you know, Bernie and others have opened the door to yeah, that. But if you help. look at their policies, they're 
they're not they're 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 progressive policies they're not socialist policies and so you know let let's just be clear i know you mr murphy you love to ban that uh term around it's an easy thing to do and and apparently an effective one with some voters certainly in south florida it was an effective uh tactic and i suspect uh there were some other places where it was effective but it's also not accurate I am just uh, parroting an effective political line, and my point is the Dems opened the barn to this. You know, that's the problem. They they don't push back hard enough because there are people, I think, mistakenly inside the party who says, well, easy, we don't want to alienate the Democratic Socialists. So it's just it's a matter of discipline or, you know, we all know politics. It, 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 you You can easily be defined as something you're really not if there's just enough Velcro on it to stick, just enough to be credible. And the Dems have let it become a credible charge. The Dem left, not the mainstream of the party. This argument would be even more heated had the Senate fallen into Democratic hands. This would be a this is right now a a small circular firing squad. It would be an enormous circular firing squad uh, if Democrats had the ability through the incoming president and leaders in both the House and the Senate to enact their agenda. Some of this is going to get solved by well, the Well, then it would be the that, policy fight. Yeah, I agree. Right. But if you so, guys lose both Senate seats in the runoffs in Georgia, and then it's no Senate majority and the Republicans picked up nine or whatever, then that'll be on these contested seats. Well, each side will, But each side will go to war. The progressives will say, damn it, we lost because yes. we weren't progressive enough. And then the, the pragmatists will say, no, 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 you cost us a lot of trouble. And this is going to be something that rages for months and months, if not years and years. And it's something we've been having off and on for quite some time. And I think some will, will say that the, the, the parameters of the policy response, that that debate has shifted undoubtedly to the left. We're talking about things on climate change that we hadn't mm-hmm. talked about before, even if we're not talking about a federal jobs guarantee as part of the Green New Deal. Um, and so I, I think this is going to, this is, you know, if you're a democratic observer, buckle up, this is going to be a uh, well, part of what we argue. Listen, about. we have shifted, uh, you, we have seen a shift to the left, uh, on some of these issues because these issues have advanced, uh, the fact Absolutely. that half the country is on fire and hurricane experiencing flooding and hurricanes has added an element of urgency to this climate debate. I mean, look, I, I, I actually, I applaud the the passion of uh, people on the left to want to solve problems that touch the lives of, of people. And, you know, but it's also true that we are a big, diverse country with different interests. Uh, Connor Lamb was quite right. You know, his district is different than AOC's district. And, you know, a lot of the energy uh, uh, an, an attack on, uh, on moderation comes from districts uh, where you can't possibly lose as a Democrat. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, and, know, and that and, that is it's not uncommon with our Freedom Caucus. Same same thing in districts that a box of hammers will win with an R on it. Have a lot of opinions about how the, the folks in the suburbs ought to run, like the QAnon lady down in Georgia. Right, right, a complete crank, you know. And there she is in the Congress, and you know, my anyway. Uh, there's a symmetry to this, but here here's a practical hacks question. Here, you guys are now working for Biden. How do you handle this? Because they're having a debate internally. Oh, do we have to put a few progressives in the cabinet? Will that shut them up? Or will they they just demand more? Do we take a stiffer line and triangulate a little bit? You know, because they've got to be thinking this through. Biden's instincts are are not 
progressive, their center. He gets the votes he got that maybe down the ticket they didn't get. Are they going to be tough about that and try to push? Or are they going to try to accommodate? What what do you, what do you think they should do? Well, I mean, part of it. What part of it is in first of all, yes, I do think there'll be representation in the cabinet of uh, uh, from uh, folks who are identifiably uh, progressive. It's interesting that Bernie Sanders is openly campaigning to be Secretary of Labor. Uh, I would give him that so long as I don't, you know, I have a deal with the governor of the Republican governor of Vermont who says he'll appoint an independent who will caucus with the Democrats. I'd probably make that deal. Uh, but, um, you know, so far, the, the you know, Ron Klain was appointed chief of staff. Excellent choice, by the way. Yep, very good uh, choice. And uh, I, I saw AOC sent out a tweet applauding the pick. So, you know, I think you can navigate this path. Uh, and there are going to be natural limitations because, uh, you know, unless Democrats win Georgia, you know, there are going to be some natural limitations here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that he will put enough out there to keep enough people uh, satisfied. His program is pretty progressive. And, uh, you know, the question is just how much of it can he actually get, which leads us to Georgia, you guys. You've just coined the greatest Secret Service code name for Mitch Mc McConnell ever, natural limitation. <laughs> <laughs> Before we uh, leave this, I'm going to give the answer that you and I were talking about a few days ago on the phone. I mean, we live in a very big, very complicated country represented by lots of different people in lots of different areas. There isn't one right answer to this Democratic question. There isn't, th th we're, if anybody's out there waiting for one side to be completely right and one side to be completely wrong inside the party, it's not going to exist as long as we have regional differences, as long as we have lots of other differences that, that are going to have to get meted out. And look, I, I think, I think Ron is positioned well to do this. I think president elect Biden is positioned well to navigate this. It will, it will, you know, it will need and take to do that. All right. Let's take a minute to hear from one of our esteemed sponsors. Bloomberg just moved the story saying the Trump administration is stepping back from negotiations on a new stimulus package and leaving it up to Congress, which is interesting. I mean, it's actually really important for the country to pass a, uh, a stimulus as quickly as possible because we're going to have huge economic problems the longer the, the problems will be huger the longer that we wait. And every economist uh, says that Cuomo said yesterday he'd rather have uh, Biden do one big package and in uh, January, then get a small uh, package now and have to try and redo it uh, in January. But this is a this is a big issue for the country. I think there's an I opportunity in the lame duck because you, you've got one big important thing that has to get done: the continuation of government funding, which expires in mid December. If Mitch McConnell just wants to clear the decks, show that a Republicans can govern as we get ready to vote in as Georgians get ready to vote. Um, you can pass a big thing and hang a lot of ornaments on that Christmas tree as the last thing this Congress does, wipes away the slate, starts clean in January. Yeah, which is, you know, we've seen this movie before in 2010 when there was a momentous midterm election. McConnell cut deals, in fact, with Joe Biden. 
Momentous was not the word I was going to use to describe the 2010 elections, but sure. I think all you need is a, a <laughs> Democrat Senate campaign committee spot that cuts up in Georgia for a couple thousand points saying, where's your check? And all of a sudden, the wheels of democracy will spin into bipartisan action because nobody will want to be on the other side of that sharp stick in Georgia. A couple of things before we get to the mail. First of all, Georgia, just a few minutes on that. You would, I think that the assumption is that uh, those are tough races for Democrats, certainly to win two, because it's hard to replicate the turnout that we saw in the uh, uh, in the general election uh, in a uh, in a special election in January, January 5th. And and secondly, because uh, now with Biden as president, there's a natural opportunity for Republicans to say, well, we're going to be a check on, on the excesses of the Democrats and so on. That said, you know, um, who knows? I mean, they're, 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 they're playing a really, really, you know, Republican senators uh, call for the expulsion of the secretary of state there because Trump didn't win the election, and uh, I saw Gibbs that uh, the uh, Senator Kelly um, Leffler uh, put out a uh, now has an ad uh, linking uh, Reverend Warnock to to uh, to uh, pa- Reverend Wright and that whole controversy back in two thousand. I mean, so you know, going yeah. very very big on race. And I would predict this: I I think you will see a lot of Trump involvement in Georgia. I, I think I, I think oh, yeah. he will no, platform right. right I think totally. I think there'll be lots of Georgia rallies from Donald Trump. I think it's it's the place and where where first of all it's the next election, but it's also a place where you can say, you know what, they certified this election, but you won it, and and you know make your voice heard, come out, show them they got it wrong the first time, they called my election the wrong way, but you can you can send that you walk all of Washington a message with this with this vote in on January 5th I, I think it'll be his uh his sort of last thing last big thing on the stage oh yeah uh, no it'll be avenge time. me um, exactly this one is interesting this runoff because there are a lot of kind of conflicting things when you make a call on one hand and I I, I worked uh, got a uh, the coverdale runoff once upon a time I've done a couple of Georgia races traditionally runoffs have lower turnout significantly so. So it becomes a big intensity fight. Uh, and again, that's where Trump will be able to help his side and brings the old Bund rally show down there. On the other hand, this is a kind of a hilarious one because you have four pretty weak candidates. I mean, there ain't no superstar in that bunch. Purdue was kind of a tier two incumbent, kind of a jerky guy. Um, Warnock has some controversy, no elected base. Kelly Leffler is... Um, you know, she was originally the clever idea to be able to win the suburbs and beat the right wing crank, but she had to turn into a right wing crank and nearly <laughs> beat him, Doug Collins. And he is now pioneering the legal challenge against Biden. I mean, it's, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, and then you got Ossoff, who lost a congressional race, a big checkbook campaign trying again. So there's no superstar there. And so each candidate has a weakness. I mean, if I had to predict, I'd say the most likely to win. And I don't like them, but ideologically, I'm very torn on this because I'm not necessarily for a Democratic Senate at all, uh, would be, uh, I'd have to say, the incumbent, Purdue. But then the other three, I don't know. Maybe they split, you know? This mm-hmm. one's going to be going to be crazy. That would still leave the the, the Senate in Republican hands. But that would be a sobering thing for about half the Senate caucus. The other half will be busy running for president. Just one quick thing. I just, I totally agree. This is, it's all going to be base. 
is 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 what Trump's doing de, uh, demoralizing his Republican base or is it energizing them? Well, and is it energizing the Democratic base? And exactly. Can Democrats use that to get energized and can they get those newer new black voters and new Democratic voters in uh, Metro Atlanta out again in an election at a very different time. Does Gwinnett care enough to participate, those suburban voters? The suburban areas, yeah. Stay tuned as we pay some bills and you listen to some ads. I wanted to have a talk about a polling. Let us just put a pin in it and talk about it next time. But it, it suffice to say the polls were worse this time than last time. There are a bunch of theories on it. Nate Cohen has a great piece in the Times today that with sufficient levels of self-flagellation about their own polling. <laughs> uh, but they did smartly, and he went back to it. They had included a chart that said, this is where the race would be if the polls this year are as wrong as they were last last election. And it turned out those were pretty much on target. The polls were about as wrong as they were in the last election. And there's real issues about how you poll this Trump uh, electorate and whether they're uh, whether they're not answering. Uh, right. You know, it used to be the shy Trump uh, voter not wanting to say who they were for. I always had a hard time. Um, putting the word shy and Trump together. But uh, but now it's like they're not they're just not being polled. They're not answering. They're not they're not allowing themselves to be polled. And so this is a big quandary for the polling profession. But we we shouldn't get into a long treatise on this here because that's like a whole show in and of itself. Maybe we'll pull Melman's ass back here just to put a, a lantern on something you said. And then we can move on to mailbag. Polling is built on the idea you can that the hard part is getting a representative sample yeah. to conduct an interview. It is assumed that the interviewee will tell you the truth about their intentions, which has been true for a long time. It's kind of like the Diamond District handshake, no contracts, and it makes it work. This year, and there's some evidence that if you compare initiative polling, was pretty accurate. Candidate wasn't. Well, that's definitely a Trump culture-driven factor where people may no longer be telling the truth to pollsters, which or is answering, Mike, under- or you know, the, yeah, not even participating. They just don't want to participate. That they opt to not tell, which is not a lie, but it's a change in the normalcy of polling. And there are a lot is, of abnormalities. Yeah. You know, like the polling was, you know, had uh, had uh, Biden winning overwhelmingly. Uh, with a big lead among seniors, that didn't happen. Uh, non-college white women, you know, it looked like that was going to be maybe a, a single-digit yeah. deal. They he lay, they lost by the same twenty-seven. Though, what I would say here is, I think the profession would have done itself an amazing amount of good if, when it got a pullback from Wisconsin that showed anybody up by seventeen points, that they would have either repolled that or significantly thought about either their sample or who they talked to. There was no possible way. They thought they cured that by averaging the polls. But the fact of the matter is if all the polls have some some of the same deficiency, the average is also going to be Right, right, because the whole category is wrong. But again, I'll get us out of this because unlike you two, I do not blame the polls. I blame the slow box. Okay, with that horrible corny joke, let's bring on the mailbag. Mike Murphy, since you are a, a recent veteran of the wars in Florida, 
and uh, scarred, bruised, ho- you know, hobbled back to Los Angeles with no prize. Uh, should Dems throw in the towel and give up? You're Florida? enjoying this too much. Keep going. <laughs> Groveling, moaning. Anyway, should Dems throw in the towel and give up on Florida and focus instead in the future on Georgia, Arizona, and North Carolina? Never give in, never give in, never, never, <laughs> never, never in nothing great or small, large or petty. Never get in, give in except the convictions of honor or common sense. So is it common sense to not fight in Florida? I would say no, no, no. Here is the deal. If you look at the Florida data, uh, which was a campaign, the Trump guys stayed, they put their money there to the fight. Bloomberg, 100 million. We were in for about 10. You know, it was well litigated. And if you go county by county, Biden made surprising gains. He, he did about six, seven points better in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a lot of our work there on military voters. Uh, he did great in Jacksonville. He flipped Duval County. He did a little better in West Florida. Where he got right. killed, of course, was Miami-Dade, where he ran literally 20-plus points behind uh, Obama and Clinton. So if you regularize for Florida, we, uh, in other words, give Dade County historical norm. There was some Trump love with Latinos. There was some Trump love with Jews. There was some Trump love with, you know, country club Republicans. Uh, a lot of stuff was going in Trump's direction. You also had the shadow, and don't get tetchy, guys, but the whole Obama opening Cuba thing. So if you normalize Dade County, I think Biden would have lost Florida really closely, uh, but, but close. So no, no, the demography is changing there too. It's too big to give up, never give up. But the Sun Belt, if the Dems can keep their fringe under control, big if, is an opportunity uh, for the um, for the Dems. You look at the Midwest, Biden got it in the Midwest, but he only won four states. The Midwest has been a shrinking region for the Ds, yeah. and the Sun Belt is where a lot of the growth for the country and the Ds is. So no, double down, fight, fight, fight. Yeah, I agree. Murphy, was that your was that your Churchill imitation? Yeah. It, it, well, no, no. That's more never in the field of human endeavor. But that was just the Churchill quote that I ripped off in order to make the never give in point. I see. It was the poor man's Winston Churchill. You look yeah, very kind poor. of Churchillian now that I'm <laughs> thinking about it. I've been blasted and I'm holding a cigar and a big tumbler of brandy <laughs> to be able to survive every one of these damn things. Murphy's actually taping this while he sits in his bathtub. Biden did four points better among white voters than uh than than hillary clinton did and that's primarily because white suburban men uh went his way um but trump did do uh better with uh black and and hispanic voters by about four points uh and particularly made inroads uh with uh with african-american men these were targets of his they went after it i think the message to democrats is even though they won robust majorities there this is something they should pay attention to first of all the hispanic community is diverse and should not be uh, thought of as a monolith um and secondly uh there needs to be more work done in the african american community particularly the younger african american community but let us move on to the next uh question here and here's a question for robert from i smell fraud robert 
I'm demanding a recount. I'm having Giuliani look into this. Uh, we're getting a press conference ready over at the uh, uh, Smiling Clown Landscaping. Four Seasons Landscaping. We're on our way. <laughs> right, right. We're going to blow the lid off this question from so-called Robert. <laughs> What's the likelihood that President Biden could nominate a GOP senator to a cabinet position such as SecDef from a state that currently has a Democratic governor as a way of gaining one seat in the chamber sneaky robert all right what do you say yeah look uh, a couple of different thoughts on that one uh we we tried something not dissimilar to this in the early days of obama uh nominating senator judd Gregg from new hampshire to be commerce secretary uh and that in the end didn't work out so well uh he stayed in the senate i think that biden will absolutely nominate a republican i think he should nominate a republican i think he needs to uh, and, and I'm going to get a lot of bad email on this, but I think uh, it's important to invite the other party into the governing process. Uh, I, I think it will help, certainly won't cure, but it will help begin to solve the challenges that we have as a country even more divided after the election than we were the day before the election. Uh, I don't, I don't I haven't looked closely enough at the Senate to figure out if there's a amazing pick of jujitsu that allows you to take somebody off the board. I, I, my guess is that's going to be harder, especially given the tightness of control in the U S Senate. Uh, but I would look for a, a Republican to get a cabinet position in a Biden administration. I would think so, especially given the nature of his message, uh, which has been mm -hmm. to, uh, try and span these, uh, divides. Yeah. It'll be a retired Republican. Here, I'll senator. Ask you. It, yeah. It'll be a Republican, but not somebody holding an office. I don't think. Axe Chris wants to, to know you guys all talked about the need to heal the red and blue divide and get us back to talking to each other after trump what steps can regular citizens take to help do this yeah look this is a really tough question i mean the the, the divided nature of our country was very very clear rural versus metropolitan areas could not have been clearer in this election and it's been exacerbated by by trump and by social media um, but we also have to make an effort to actually try to put ourselves in each other's shoes, uh, to, um, uh, you know, I do agree that, you know, national service of some kind, I don't know if it's doable uh, under the current political construct in Washington, but an expanded national service program, which would have people from different communities serving together, uh, would be useful. But we also ought to back off. And I mean, the, the most troubling thing about the polling and about research that I've seen is just how deeply antagonistic and suspicious Americans are of each other. Uh, and the fact is that we share a common humanity. Uh, we, we share concerns for our families. Um, there is, there, there, you know, each community has its own concerns, and the other community has to try and, uh, try and gain some understanding of it. I do a program at the University of Chicago's uh, Institute of Politics where we have students from our, uh, from our institution together with students from a two-year college with a lot of immigrant kids getting together with uh, uh, students from uh, a downstate uh, college, a Eureka College, which Mike Murphy will remember is the alma mater of Ronald Reagan. Uh, and they spend a lot of time together in the city, downstate, listening to focus groups of voters um, and talking through their own differences, and it's been very, very successful. I don't know how you scale that up, but we need to start listening to each other more. 
it's a great program and i do i, I would i think you should figure out x how to scale that up at least on a college level plus can i just say this i love it when you go all league of women voters on us <laughs> yeah I know. yeah i'm I wiping know, a yeah. tear right now i i find the best way to deal with it because we're all americans first is to go to your friends on the other side and just look them in the eye and say listen you socialist jerks and then begin a dialogue that always is a great icebreaker it warm, warms them right up but seriously it, it's true I saw some polling data today that depressed me, like a lot of polling data. It'll change. Now. Just wait. Yeah, well, that's true. Just reweight it. It's a post-election poll. Now, it's done by the guys who got Ohio wrong, so who knows? I already, they <laughs> no wonder you're once. still reading them. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't mention them on the air. Public opinion strategies. But it's a, it's a useful post-election poll, but it shows depressingly that the unfavorable rating of each party viewed through the eyes of the supporters of the other party is at the highest in the history of polling. In other words, the Republicans all think the Democrats are completely evil and vice versa. And that wasn't always true. It used to be more Coke, Pepsi, not good and evil. And that is the most toxic damn thing in the world. And hopefully post-Trump, at least post-Trump in the White House, uh, Biden gets that and he can kind of move us in a direction where we're opponents, not enemies. Well, that's been his mantra. I think he believes it. And we, we should all wish him well. Uh, in that project. Guys, we, we probably don't have time for a last call. Uh, you guys I, I just did sneak. it. You both went all League of Women Voters. It's awesome. I, wanna, I do it once a year, so don't worry. It's done for now. Gibbs is a little, he's a little sensitive on this point. Come on in, boys. The water's fine. I just want <laughs> a, a, a shout out to one of our most loyal listeners, uh, Aaron Daly, who is, his birthday is today, and I'm sure he'll spend it listening to this episode. So I wanted to say uh, cheers to you, Aaron. Happy birthday, Aaron. Thank you for listening. Happy birthday. Well, guys, that'll handle it for this week. Great to talk to all of you. Good to see you guys. It'll be an interesting couple of months here. All righty. I'm heading off to the Defense Department just in case there is a coup. I'm hoping to be the <laughs> commissar for Western Las Vegas. Take that helmet off, will you? <laughs> I just hope there's something to talk about next week, guys. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>